serious. What happened in your this is not a drill moment during work, school, etc.? I live in a small condo complex that backs up against a major highway separated by a tall barrier that's part concrete, part decorative wood. So it's like 5am and I'm dead asleep and the house shakes. I roll over thinking, man, someone set off fireworks way too late in the night. I'm barely asleep again and it shakes. This time I hear the boom and I'm like, screw those firework loving kids. Well, I'm awake. Might as well use the bathroom. So I'm in the bathroom and the house shakes again. Boom. Huh. So I look out the back window and there's an inferno just past the backyard, right where the lawn meets the barrier. Oh, and this is right after all those people burned to death in their houses in California. Nope. Wake up the husband, shove the cat in the carrier, grab your wallet, get in the car, and leave. The only exit from the complex is right past the inferno, but we make it okay. The cat's furious. The husband doesn't see what the big deal is. He's still mostly asleep. And I'm like, where can we go to watch the news in our pajamas? So at the neighborhood Starbucks, we're watching on our phones. The local fire department hosing down our condos with fireproof foam. A gas tanker caught fire and pulled over. Then the three compartments caught fire individually. The driver made it out. Our place was fine. And now I have a go bag, just in case. I was at a movie theater, one of the big ones with 12 screens. Halfway through the movie, an alarm goes off and no one really reacts. And then a recorded voice advising that an emergency situation has arisen and we are to vacate the area immediately. 12 screens emptying simultaneously into the foyer created havoc. Some minor crush injuries, people falling and tripping others. It was chaos. Kids screaming, parents trying to get in to find their kids. Five minutes later and we are still inching towards the doors, and a real voice comes on and advises it was a false alarm and to go back and they will restart the movies. Important lesson from this for everyone. If you need to evacuate from a movie theater, take the exit near the screen that goes straight out of the building and not the one that goes back into the foyer. I was in the high school gym donating blood when the alarm for an active shooter lockdown went off. The doors were very quickly locked and people were told to remain calm and duck under tables, but those of us giving blood and hooked up to the machines had to stay in place. It turned out to be that a few young men had stolen a car and had driven it recklessly onto school property. A police helicopter had somehow gotten involved which sparked the panic. There were no guns involved, thank goodness, but it definitely was not a good first time donating blood experience. We were all in psychophysiopatho class when the alarm bell rang. It's a class where the whole lot of us are divided in random 25-25 people group of students. I didn't know any of the people in this group very well, but we were polite to each other. The teacher said no drill was supposed to take place, so we all raised the best we could outside. Except I was in crutches at the time, and the building we were in was old and had a lot of stairs. I was lagging behind, getting more and more scared that I would be left alone. Our teacher was already out, and the bulk of the group was far ahead, and I had no friends in here to make sure I was safe. Before my classmates, all girls, noticed I was struggling and doubled back to help me. It could have been any kind of danger, a fire, some idiot with a weapon, but they didn't hesitate one second once they saw me. One of them took my bed bag, another took my crutches, the other two put my arms around their shoulders and half pushed me out, half carried me out. I was viewing a traveling exhibit about the Titanic. When you entered the exhibit, you were given a ticket which had the name of an actual person aboard the Titanic. At the end, you would get to see if they survived or not. Right as we finished seeing if our person lived or died, the fire alarm went off in the museum. The exhibit staff ushered everyone into the staff area behind the exhibit and down the emergency stairs. Everything was lit with emergency lighting only and really cramped, and after having just been in the exhibit, you really felt like you were escaping a sinking ship. Probably the most surreal emergency I've ever experienced. For those asking, yes, my person did survive. They tried to match your person as close to you as possible. I was a kid at the time, so my person was a child. Much higher chance of surviving if you were a kid or a woman. One day at work, there was a huge bang. Not what you want to hear at a refinery. 
Psychos into evacuation, managers running around trying to figure out what's happened. Turns out an asphalt truck had exploded next door, rocking our site. Many undies were soiled that day. Update for those asking. The truck has a gas heater inside it to keep the asphalt warm, road tar, and after he finished his job, he left the burner going. Gets back to depot and fills truck with kerosene to wash out. Hot tank plus flammable liquid? Yeah, soiled undies. I was taking the SAT. We were maybe 30 minutes into the writing section, when the fire alarm goes off. Some guy started a fire in the computer lab of the building because he didn't bring a proper ID and they wouldn't let him take his test. We had to sit outside for three hours in silence before they decided, never mind, you guys have to retake this in a month. Kid brought a gun to school. He wanted to show it off and pulled it out at lunch. Yeah, you're not supposed to freaking do that. He got expelled, was relieved of any actual criminal charges on account of no bullets were brought and he was so young. But everyone dipped from the lunchroom and all the other classes got locked down. I remember being in class when it happened, and not one of us thought it was real because our school did a drill every quarter for that crap, and it was like midway through one of them. This was 8th grade. When I was in school, about 20 years ago I think, we had a bomb threat. They evacuated the entire school out to the baseball fields for hours before they let us go home early. The very next day, we went back to school and they kept us locked in our classrooms for hours while the bomb squad removed bomb material, from what I was told, from the very baseball fields that they had made us wait on the day before. Reminds me of the school I went to where the response to a bomb threat was first to gather everyone in the buses in the front parking lot and then drove us over to one of the two other schools in the town. Same school district. We were in high school. There was also an elementary school and middle school. And put everyone in one of two gyms there, a much smaller area compared to the alternatives. I eventually stopped worrying by the logic that if there were actually bombs, then whoever set them off would have had several opportunities to kill most of us if they were smart about it, since if they knew the response was to move people to another building, then they could have just rigged one of the other schools to blow and had a 50-50 chance of getting the entire population of two schools. Or if they didn't know that, then they still had an excellent opportunity to kill us when everyone was gathered together in the one parking lot rather than spread out over an entire building. That school had a lot of emergency response policies that seemed really stupid, and in later years they overhauled a lot of them but I feel the response to bomb threats of gathering everyone in one or two places takes the cake, and I hadn't heard of them fixing that while I was still attending. Honestly, not sure which policy was worse though. Your school's approach of gathering everyone in the fields was also pretty bad, even if it was at least a bit more spread out. It was just at home, but I think it was May 2019. We're about to leave for a funeral and there was a sudden earthquake. I think it was a six and it was surreal as it was the strongest earthquake I felt. We took shelter under door frames and nobody was hurt gladly. I live in a town right on the Pacific coast in Northern California. We have a tsunami warning siren, and every Sunday at noon, they test it by winding up the horn to full volume for a few seconds. When the big earthquake happened in Japan in 2011, I was literally living below sea level less than a quarter mile from the coast. A tsunami was heading for the west coast of the US, a mini version of the devastating one that hit Japan. There were warnings over TV and radio, but we didn't get them because the utility company preemptively cut power to our neighborhood to reduce damage. So the first I knew anything was up was when my roommate woke me up screaming, there's a tsunami, we have to go now. We booked it up the hill out of the danger zone, but it didn't quite feel real until I realized the tsunami warning siren was going, and not stopping, and it wasn't Sunday. To this day, that is the eeriest sound I've ever heard. I was in 10th grade, age 15 for non-Americans, when 9-11 happened. It's hard to explain to those who didn't live through it how much the world changed literally in a day, and how while there was internet, there weren't smartphones or social media, so news traveled less instantaneously. For us, we were called out of class to go to an assembly, and we were all joking around because our school had a way of over-dramatizing random admin things that didn't really matter, of the we are searching for a new vice principal variety. 
I probably still had a wisecrack grin on my face as the head of school said they all wanted us to be together to hear this news. Then she said, the World Trade Center has been attacked, which was where my cousin worked. And I remember the room literally looked different. We were all watching TV screens less than an hour later after the second tower fell, and we got a local breaking news about a plane crash outside Pittsburgh, which is quite the thing when your school is in Pittsburgh and you think it was heading for us. Because no one knew until many days later where the fourth plane was heading. Heck, we didn't even know there were only four. So yeah, that moment with the World Trade Center has been attacked and how the room looked different, literally and figuratively, I will never forget that. Was showing a documentary to my class about the second week of the semester when the president of the college came on the loudspeaker to tell us to shelter in place. Somebody had tweeted pictures of his gun saying he wanted to quote, light up the library. And when the FBI pinged his phone, he was on my campus. My classroom was directly above the library. We all knew this because of our smartphones. This was right before lunch. I was escorted out of the building around dinner time. Turned out the student was bluffing. He was visiting our campus that day with his high school. Screw him. My college dorm had to evacuate because of fire. Some girl was making toast at 4 a.m. and the toaster caught fire. No serious damage was caused and firemen came pretty quickly. But being woken up by fire alarms, seeing everybody panicking, and then having to wait outside for like two hours in December was not fun. There was a shelter in place tornado warning. It was on that day that we learned our school had a bomb shelter below the pool locker rooms and it was some cold war crap. Damp concrete walls, doors with small round windows, and the lights were those old oval shaped with a metal cage like what you'd see on a submarine. Even had safety posters circa 1960 to 1970s. I was teaching at a high school a couple years back when my co-teacher came over from the next room and quietly asked if I had checked my email recently. I had not. When I looked, there was an urgent message from admin telling us that we were currently under a stay-in-place lockdown. Apparently some guy had gotten into a shootout with local PD earlier, ran, and was currently somewhere just off campus, still armed and dangerous. But since he wasn't an immediate threat, we were not to tell the students and continue class as normal. If the lockdown lasted into the next period, they come up with an excuse to keep all the kids in place. The kicker for me was that one entire wall of my classroom was floor-to-ceiling windows. To make it worse, the ceiling in my room was about 20 feet. We may as well have been sitting in the field outside my room for all the security we had. I made a quick decision to shoehorn a slideshow into my lesson so I had a believable excuse to close all the blinds. Luckily, the lockdown only lasted until just before the end of the period, so nobody had to punt on an excuse for what was happening. I like to think I covered well, and that none of my students noticed that I was freaking out internally. None of them ever questioned me about it, so hopefully I did. There was an earthquake. It was not that strong, but it was still an earthquake. Everyone was treating it as a drill, which meant talking and talking and talking, until our advisor said that it was not a drill, and everyone started panicking. Good times. Last November, half my school burnt down. Everybody thought it was just another drill until we got outside and began to smell smoke. There was a mad panic as all 1,300 students were registered and registered again until we knew everyone was out. The worst part? It was started by two first-year students. This is going to be long, just so you know. On a 225-foot buoy tender in the middle of the Pacific, halfway between Hawaii and Mexico. When you're on a ship at sea, if there's a fire, there's no 911. So you practice all the time for stuff like fire, flooding, collision, etc. But those drills occur during the day when most of the crew is awake. You're alert, the sun is out, and sea conditions are normally good, for safety reasons. But emergencies almost never happen during the day or when the sea state is calm. It was 4 a.m., I was in my rack asleep after getting off watch, so I had only been asleep for four hours when the general emergency alarm went off. That's the alarm that sounds for any emergency outside from collision and chemical. So I bolt upright with the what? 
thinking someone accidentally hit the alarm up on the bridge. But when the watch officer comes over the ship's announcement system saying to set the main space fire doctrine for a fuel oil leak in the engine room, my stomach drops. I'm out of my rack, into my coveralls and boots, and out to the repair locker faster than he can finish the announcement. Most of the crew is already at the locker, the attack team is getting their firefighting gear on, and the engineering officer is trying to get information from the engineering watchstander. The investigators were already gone to investigate the scene. We all get our protective gear on, and I gather my team. I'm in charge of the pump team, and our job is to set up the portable fire pumps to supplement the installed ones in case the water pressure drops. But the pumps are located outside the skin of the ship on the buoy deck, and it's 4am in the middle of the ocean. Most people forget just how dark the night is. With artificial lights, we have essentially conquered night and claimed it for ourselves, despite a relatively poor night vision in comparison to other species. But when you are days away from any land, and the lookouts need their night vision preserved for their watch, that means it is awfully dark once the sun goes down. Makes for great stargazing, though. Anyways, I get permission to start setting up, so my team and I all grab flashlights and head out. It's dark as crap, and the pumps are heavy, and all in all, it sucked. It sucks during drills, and it doubly sucks in the middle of the night. We get the first pump set up and are about to start the second when we get told to wait. I certainly didn't complain, I absolutely hate those pumps. We go back into the repair locker to wait. Apparently the leak wasn't that bad, and was able to be secured by the investigators. The cleanup crew heads down to clean up so the fuel doesn't create a toxic gas environment, and we go to pack the pump back up. There was a general feeling of amusement at the situation to be honest. Also, a lot of pride in our response. We had all the time requirements setting up boundaries and such, and as a crew, we felt like we did good. The command felt the same way too, because the workday was suspended. We only had to go to our watches, the rest of the day could be spent however we wanted. There was a movie being played in the cruise lounge, and some of the guys set up an inflatable pool on the buoy deck to chill in. Me? I went back to sleep. This one's an even longer story. My dad is second engineer on gas tankers. A few years ago, they had a fire in the middle of the freaking Atlantic. Ship chock full of flammable, toxic, cooled down to liquid gas. I can't remember what it was, but they got it to negative 150 degrees Celsius or lower. Maybe ethylene? Skeleton Crew, as crew management company, was full of money-grabbing jerks, and every single thing that wasn't officially needed was underfunded and limited. I.e., ship had three power generators, but ship management allowed them to buy only so many parts. They had to cannibalize the third to get other two required by law to run, and everyone was overworked. Middle of the night, a fan sucking out exhaust from the trash burner failed, and temperature started to rise. Sensor failed first, so there was no alarm. At dog hour, metal chamber the burner was in, literally melted. Metal started to burn, and first alarms blared. My dad, off-duty then, informed Bridge by intercom, told them to organize action, and went down to get people out and start action. He broke procedure by that, because he was supposed to wait for Bridge order to even begin any action. That includes inspection on fire size. He got in serious trouble in that later, but I'll go back to that. So he gets into gear as fast as he can, bursts down and in, drags two unconscious guys out of control room, starts emergency water pumps, empties both FEs that were there in vicinity on burner chamber door, glowing now, to cool it down a bit, and runs up to get proper equipment and join team. They start firefighting and soon discover almost everything there was on fire, melting and burning down. They used every single FE on board, all fire retardant they have, and gas tankers carry a crap ton of it and by next day evening, they managed to put it completely down. They lost chimney. All of it. It fell down inside, almost killing crew members. Most of main engine turbos and exhaust management. Good part of electrical wiring, including electrical power control, so node load regulation on generators. Most of the bridge equipment was out, oil coolers, and general crew area AC. They were also down to one power generator. 
On top of that, the entire ship was considerably heated up, which meant lots of stress in the hull and gas tanks. They were venting gas as cooling equipment was overloading the power generator. Radar, satellite, high-power radio, all off. They slowly creeped to U.S. and got to Houston with Coast Guard and firefighting barge assist. Now, the true storm starts. First, they got an inspection, which revealed they didn't have enough firefighting equipment on board. Inspectors were deaf to the argument that it has all been used. Fine number one. Second, after unloading the gas, they got a hefty fine for the gas being too hot. No duh. Also, another fine for vented gas, because cargo manifest didn't match with ship's content. Third, another fine for environmental damage, as main engine exhaust was not cooled and filtered. Lack of chimney and fire marks were of no consequence to port authorities. Next, my dad got into trouble. Ship management decided he was to pay the fine of $100,000 for not waiting on Bridges' orders. Later withdrawn, as inspection shown if he hadn't cooled down the door, no one would ever got in and two people would die. Also, seawater pumps couldn't be started in any other way. They still threatened him in every possible way and tried very hard to make him assign responsibility for whole fire and damages. Sadly, he was very, very close to doing it before I forced him to be with my friend, a lawyer. And the last, most infuriating part? Ship management refused to pay for firefighting equipment replacements as, quote, it was crew that used them without permission from central office. After that, they did one more cargo run around Mexico's ports before ship was forwarded to a shipyard for repairs. Most of the crew changed company afterwards. Yeah, cost-cutting in the most obnoxious way, haranguing on every single regulation, as long as there is even a slight chance it will slide under the radar, and complete disregard for the fact that crew is human, not a bunch of robots. My dad was a firefighter. He was casually watching Titanic at the theater. You know when this happened then. Out of nowhere during the movie, projector stopped, all lights shut down, and some guy opens the door of the theater and told everyone to get out that there was a fire. As my dad walked out, his firefighter senses were triggered. He felt the draft of air being sucked out of the theater room going into the main hall. Fire alarm couldn't be heard from inside because the volume of the movie was so loud. Everyone got out. It was a big complex with restaurants and bars next to the cinema. Everything burnt down, millions of dollars of damages. It was a teenager playing with matches while smoking behind dumpsters. My dad had to wait for the double VHS to be released to know how Titanic ended. That's the best part of the story happening in the 20th century. For the record, it was in 1998. We had someone fall off a boat down at the boat launch when I worked at a campground. She hit her head on the dock and started sinking while unconscious. Luckily, her BF dove in and grabbed her before she drowned. However, she was incoherent, so we had to immobilize slash warm her up in a truck and then call in a heli to take her to the nearest hospital. It was crazy. We had to mark a landing zone and lay down some flares and everything. School had a lockdown. Was coming back from lunch and saw a bunch of cops. Asked one what's up and was told someone had reported a gun in the building and it's on lockdown. I went home. Found out the next day, kid had a BB gun in his backpack and I guess ticked off a friend who then told the office what he had. Side note, the group that kid would run with was known for starting fights with people over nothing. So I guess karma is a jerk. It was woodwork and in my classes, we have a dust collector connected to an automatic sander and a nail happened to get sanded and made sparks to fine wood chips so it exploded in fire in a woodwork building. I was still working as a hostess and we had just opened up. In the morning, we usually only have three servers on the floor for the first 30 or so minutes. Five to six families immediately walk in, which is good for the openers. Everybody gets two tables to start. I was seating the last of the families when I heard a horrible wail from the back. I honestly didn't think anything of it at first, until I realized two of the three servers hadn't come out front to greet their tables. One of the servers, while switching out the tea bags, scalded herself across the face with boiling water. The second server was already calling paramedics and trying to keep her calm while she went into shock. 
So now I had one server for six tables. About half of them were intensely understanding, but one family was giving me max attitude. I finally snapped at the wife and said, Ma'am, the server in charge of your section just suffered third-degree burns across her face. If you're in such a rush that you cannot wait for emergency crews to get here, I would be more than happy to suggest other establishments that can accommodate you. Right at that moment, the EMTs arrived. Six huge Captain America stunt doubles finagling the gurney through the restaurant. She shut right up. The server ended up being okay and didn't have any permanent scars, but for the rest of the day, I was jittery from the adrenaline rush. When you subscribe, make sure to hit the bell to turn on notifications. Put the playlist on in the background to finish listening to all the stories linked at the top of the description. And if you like Am I the Genius, give Am I the Jerk a shot linked in the description too. Either way, thanks a lot for watching, and we'll see you guys next time.